0: Okay, Okay. Bismillah <coughs> ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala anihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad fi al-awwaleen wa salli alayhi fi al-akhirin wa salli alayhi ya il-a'la ila Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad ibn Qulubi wa dawaiha wa afiyat abdani wa shifaiha wa nura al-abasari wa diya'iha wa ala anihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Salatu wa sallamu alayki ya Sayyidi ya Rasulullah. I hope that everyone is doing well. Um <coughs> Alhamdulillah, we're still online. Inshallah, we will resume in person next Sunday, at least for Sunday classes, because Sunday is outside. So, at least Sunday will begin uh, next week. Inshallah, we'll resume. Haven't really decided on Tuesday and Wednesday yet, but we shall see. And this is our last session in Al Ghazali on the manners relating to eating. Kitab Adab Al-Aql It's our last session Our trendy title was The Art of Hospitality Because a lot of it has to do with how we gather around food A lot of how we deal with eating has to do with our gatherings around food And it's something we kind of emphasize throughout But uh, this is really, really important It's really, really important not necessarily all of the details of the etiquettes. Why does it matter? al wa ila Good character. It guides to love and intimacy and a desire to be with one another. And kind of like good character lends towards people being together and uh that bad character leads to uh conflict and the pulling apart of people and so when we're talking about what is one of the major reasons that we come together oftentimes is to eat And what is it that keeps people together when they come together like that is good character. And of course, inviting people to food is good character also, which we talked about at length in this text. And so everything that we've covered so far is kind of pushing this idea of it's really important that we come together, that we break bread together, that we eat together. And it's also important that we do that uh, in ways that show a high amount of respect for one another. And also in ways that lend towards us wanting to keep coming together and that that bring the hearts together and kind of, you know, makes us like, you know, I just want to be with them. I want to sit with this person. I want to eat with this person. I want to be around this person. And we are doing actually uh, something for society when we do that, you know, when we know how to get along. Uh, Good manners is not just about like, you know, sometimes we have this really strange um, tendency in like American culture, especially I think in the West Coast might be a little bit, the West is a little bit more wild. I think like we tend to reject a lot of things. We're like always against something. Um, So we have this kind of like rebelliousness against manners because manners is like this thing that's controlling you and stuff. It's not about manners being something that controls you. It's about manners being something that helps us to stay together, and we want to stay together as people, Um, this is not just as Muslims, but as people in general, we want to be able to interact with each other in ways that bring people together, and keep people together, and like, how great is the person who's able to maintain relationships with all these different types of people, or kinds of people, or people with different perspectives, and they're able to bring them together, they're able to manage the conversation, they're able to deal with them, and make them happy, and so on, and so that's an amazing thing, and that's a beautiful thing. And that's an important thing. And of course, one of the things that the Prophet ﷺ did was that he brought together people of very disparate backgrounds. He brought together the poor, the rich, the in-between. He brought together the business people and the tradespeople people and the agriculture, you know, the farmers. He brought together people who were Arabs, people who were not Arabs, people who were from a uh, dark-skinned places, people who had dark skin, people had light skin, so he brought everyone together, Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And, um, you know, when we come together, we're going to offer some food. So a lot of this is about hospitality. It's about how we treat each other and how to make that part of how we do things. Um, one of the things that we've seen from shuyukh over and over again, like sheikh sheikhs, um, is that they're always feeding people. Um, you know, they're just always feeding people. And their institutions are always feeding people. They're always giving food to people. And that's a priority. And it's something that's emphasized and it's something that matters. Um, and a lot of times it's just like the family, you know, you go in the back. Someone told me recently they were somewhere and they were helping to serve some of the food and stuff. And then as they were helping and they got kind of like involved in the helping and the supporting and everything, they realized that the food was just like all the food was being cooked and served by the family of the sheikh. Is it possible that they could get someone else to do it? Maybe, but then who would have the honor of serving the food? It's not about like, can I get someone else to do it? It's not, this is not a menial thing. Like, Oh, I just need to get someone else to do it so that I don't have to do it. No, it's like, I want to do this. I want to be the one who's the one who's feeding the people who's serving the people, who's taking the food and putting it on someone else's plate. Of course, COVID has its own issues, but taking the food and putting it on someone's plate and like making sure they're taken care of and making sure they had their food and so on and so forth. These are actually really important things. And there is like a, a spiritual component to it as well. Um, of, of being believers and breaking bread together and serving each other and, and food that's served from the heart and someone who's, with love right like what's um i think we talked about that in one of the sessions like what's why is the mother's cooking always the best because no one loves you the way your mother loves you so when your mother's serving you food it's a different kind of food right so you know all of these things are stuff that's come up in the course of this text the session that the section that we have today is very short actually um it's only a couple pages at the end and then we're going to conclude this. As you know, next Sunday, we have a special guest, uh, Dr. Hisham Hellier, uh, who's an academic and a person of knowledge and a person of spiritual insight. And we're very happy that he will be joining us. Alhamdulillah, it's a blessing. It's an honor. And um, he's already arrived in the U.S. Inshallah, he gets here safely. Uh, he just arrived in New York. So he's going to be spending some time in New York and then D.C. and then here and also in the Bay. So It'll be uh, quite a trip for him, but he said, you know, he wants to see different places. Hopefully the storm doesn't keep him. Uh, but inshallah, or the Omnicroner, there's only like how many things are possible. The Qadr of Allah, you don't know, know what the intervention might be. Alhamdulillah, we'll see what goes on. But we're happy to have him next week. And then after that, we'll start a new class, inshallah, a new Sunday session. So, this is now a miscellaneous section at the end of the text on various issues related to food. So the first one, uh, the first five really are largely cultural, but I'm just going to go through them quickly so that we can get a feel. As I mentioned before, sometimes when you're reading a text, um, I don't always jump past things that I think that we should jump past. So what do I mean? I mean, right now, points one through five, they're largely cultural points. Do I really think that we need to cover them? Probably not. But what, why am I going to cover them? I'm going to cover them because I want you to be able to read books on your own. I want you to be able to read a book and be able to think to yourself, like, okay, this thing is, maybe it might, might not apply 100% or there might be a way to look at this, or so on and so forth. Because if you're going to pick up Ghazali and read him yourself, you're going to have to have some level of discernment. There's going to be some things that are very clear. There's going to be some things that are not. And that's why part of why we teach through text, oftentimes when we read section by section, is that if you're paying attention while we're doing that, you'll notice that. That sometimes I'll read something and I'll say, this one, maybe you take it with a grain of salt. This one, why would he say it that way? Does it sound strange to you? So on and so forth. Like, Because we want to be able to work work with the text and gain kind of like a little bit of that acumen so that uh you're not always like sitting here listening to me for everything, right? You can read things on your own too. So number one, what does number one say? One, it is related that Ibrahim al al-Nakhai is from the great scholars of the Tabi'een. From the tabi'ain the generation that were the that met the companions of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi them. he said to eat in the market is ignoble to eat in the market is dishonorable essentially right uh, and other people said that also in the early period so then uh, he goes on to talk about it he brings some other quotes and things and then he says the view of the majority of the major- he says Ghazani says now the view of the majority is to eat in the marketplace is a sign of humility in which case it would be good but it is a violation of good manners in others in which case it is reprehensible so he's telling you he he does it here actually in this point he won't always do it but in this point what he's saying is look we have these narrations from these early muslims that say to eat in the marketplace is dishonorable so that would mean that a person shouldn't be eating in the market right it's, Do we even have markets? I don't even know what the equivalent of this would be, (laughs) you know, but like uh, in the West, we don't, I don't know if I should say in the West in California, we don't really have markets that much. I'm sure. There's a couple places like I think in downtown LA, they have a market and like different, maybe farmer's market. You know, you go to the farmer's market, there's all these different stands and booths, and then there's like food stands. So should you get the food and just like sit there on a parking lot uh, thing? what are those i don't even there's got to be a name for that thing the piece of cement that's in the front of the parking spot it must have a name so you just sit on that thing and eat that or is that not really like something you should do so basically what he's getting at here is that some of the early muslims they used to think that this is not a noble thing and you shouldn't do it but some of the later muslims they thought it's a sign of humility that the person doesn't have like this affectation they'll sit down and eat if they need to eat they'll sit down and eat wherever they need to eat and they're not like too hoity-toity to to do that right um basically what he's getting at and mentioning all these things is like what is the issue behind it is the issue behind it that if you look at it culturally like no one eats in the marketplace so if you do it you look like a weirdo then he's saying you probably shouldn't do that but if it's like it's not abnormal to do and you don't want to do it because like oh i'm too good to eat like that then you should probably eat like that because now there's arrogance involved, right? Um, But if you're like, doesn't matter either way, just sit there and eat, don't eat, it's fine. So what I'm trying to get at is he says, he gives these different narrations and he kind of gets us to look a layer deeper. There's no particular text that says you can't eat in the market, right? It's not like, uh, there's no prohibition on it. You can eat in the marketplace. So it becomes a cultural issue and it becomes a spiritual issue. What is what is uh, acceptable culturally, which matters, by the way, like within the realm of not, if there's no particular rule in the Sharia, what is acceptable culturally matters a lot, because we're taught to engage with the culture that we have, or that we're in, in a way that respects that culture, in a way that brings out the best of it, in a way that doesn't associate us with the worst of it, and so on. So like... So the culture does matter. And then the second second issue here is what is what's going on spiritually? What's going on inside the person? And you consider those two and you can figure out if you should do it or not. Okay, then uh, number numbers, two and three and four. And five basically all have to do with recommendations that he gives based on. Uh, what he understood largely and what was understood in the early generations regarding the relationship between food and health. Between food and health. So what is the general, maybe we don't take all of these things, right? I don't know. I would have to, I would have to know something about, like I'd really have to understand nutrition and natu- naturopathic medicine and all these kind of things and medicine and everything else to know whether or not we should really do these things. But like, um, says, like, for example, there's a recommendation to start your food with salt, for example. Um, There's a recommendation to um, eat breakfast before you go out in the morning, you know, Um, so on and so forth. The point here is that one should not only think about whether or not the food is acceptable. We also think about what is our relationship with food going to look like in terms of our health? And so in this regard, we would defer to whatever is the understanding um, in the modern knowledge around that, right? So if we know that certain foods are really bad for you, if we know that certain foods are better for you, if we know that uh, when you start your meal, it's good to start with X or Y or Z, then we would do that if we know that whatever it might be. And so these become areas where we should, you know, we can do some research, we can study. I would mention different things, but especially when you live in California, it's like every three weeks, there's a new eating fad and like, there's a new diet thing. And there's like, everyone has opinions on everything. It's like more dieting in California is more controversial than vaccines. You know, it's like, So I don't want to say anything. I might upset somebody or something, but, uh, basically, you know, do your research and talk to people you trust and Come up with like what are the things that I'm going to eat? What are the things that I'm not going to eat? So that I can have a relationship with food that is positive and good for my health is the point. Should be good for your health, you know. Um, so we want to eat in ways that are good for our health. Eat in ways that enable us to do the work that we need to do to be sources of good in the world around us, and so on and so forth. So basically, all of two through five deal with those kind of advices. Um, one says like, and Hajjaj asked a doctor. Tell me things that, you know, they're going to help me. And then he told him this and this and this and this. So go to a doctor, ask them. Um. He says, he says, abstaining from food harms the healthy while not abstaining harms the ailing it has been said thus. So you have to check like, okay, is that true or not? Maybe sometimes there are cases when someone is sick with something and they need to abstain from certain foods, right? Okay. Like, okay, you're suffering from XYZ right now. You need to not do this. Don't eat this, right? If you eat this, it's more likely you're going to have your issue. Okay. And I don't eat it, but, um, you know, so whatever it might be, think about it as it is. Number six, it is desirable that food be taken to the family of a deceased person. Now, this is a different issue. It is desirable that food be taken to the family of a deceased person. When Jafar ibn Abi Talib's death was announced, the messenger of God said, the family of Jafar are too preoccupied with their dead to prepare their food. So take them something to eat. And he says, then Ghazali says, and this is the sunnah and this is the one so saying this is an important point you know oftentimes culturally what what has happened now is that when uh people have a family member who passes away and others might go and visit them and give their condolences and stuff oftentimes the family of the deceased is the one that's providing the food and ideally it doesn't happen that way actually ideally the way that it happens is that the family of the deceased they have enough to worry about, right? Like their loved one has passed away. They're dealing with grief. They're dealing with all of these different things. They shouldn't be the ones who are worried about having to feed everyone. But rather, someone else should actually take care of that food and handle the situation for them so that they don't have to worry about it. Uh, Number seven that he says is, do not take part in the food of a transgressor. Do not take part in the food of a transgressor. So again, now this is not an issue of as much as it's an issue of like spirituality. They didn't like to eat food that came from corrupt people. They felt there's a spiritual harm in that. And um, some, some people were very strict about this. We told, I think, several times the story of Imam Dardir in this regard uh when we were when we were doing the paper on the qualities of a true sheikh, um and that we had taken from imam al who was a couple hundred years ago you know and he um there's a famous story with him about that maybe i'll repeat it i hope people don't think it's you know this was witnessed by many many people and he's a couple hundred years ago so we're not talking about a huge uh You know, sometimes people hear miraculous things and they're like, oh, that's, you know, this is witnessed by many people and only a couple hundred years ago. So the distance is not great. Just that he used to not, he was known for not eating food that had oppression mixed in with it. Like if the person who's feeding him was involved in oppression, he wouldn't eat this person's food. And uh, there was a new ruler. And the ruler wanted to kind of like, you know, position himself and create problems and stuff, essentially. So he invited him and he wouldn't go. So then what he did was that he invited him along with every all of the other students of knowledge and shiuch and stuff like this. Knowing that, like, you know, when you're someone who's super senior, you can go against the heaviest of authorities and they will, still won't touch you but they might like take your students and torture them. Right. So this is the stuff that people, people would do that. So, so they knew like, okay, if we invite him, but we invite all of his students and all of the other people, then if they say, no, he knows, he knows, he knows if he says no, they're going to say no. And he knows if they say no, they're going to be in trouble. So he accepts the invitation, right? So he accepts the invitation. All these people are gathered The leader brings him, he sits him down, he says, oh, welcome, welcome, here's your food, so on and so forth, he gives the food to everyone, everyone's waiting for the sheikh to eat, right, and they start eating and stuff, and he's kind of like subtly not eating, he's not touching the food, the plates in front of him, he's not touching the food, so, you know, the ruler gets offended, I put this food in front of you, is it good manners to not eat the food, and he says, You know, I don't eat food that has any oppression mixed into it. And so then he gets even more offended, you know, are you saying that my food is, well, you're the one saying it technically. (laughs) All I said was that I don't eat things that I like that. If your food is like that, then, you know, it is what it is. But he starts, you know, well, you're not going to eat my food, and this, you're saying my food has oppression, but you don't have an evidence. How are you making a claim when you don't have an evidence, and so on and so forth? I thought you were this big scholar, whatever. So they say that he, where's where's your evidence? Everything else. They say that he put his hand, grabbed a handful of rice from the plate, and held up the rice and made du'a. Oh Allah, if this thing has, you know, oppression in it or whatever, then show us. And as he was holding the rice, they say that blood started to drip from it and like actual blood just dripped from the rice in the gathering and you know <laughs> and that was that so he he didn't do that many people they wouldn't they wouldn't eat from this food uh ghazali says if you're compelled to do it meaning like if you're forced to then you know do what you have to and eat as little as you can and so on and so forth said it was related That the Nunan misri in Misri, he was one of the early righteous people, was imprisoned and did not eat for days while in prison. He had a sister in God who sent him food through the hands of the jailer with money she made from her spindle. And he abstained and did not eat. So she knows he's not going to eat the food they give him. So she is working herself, making her own money from the work of her own hands and getting the food and bringing it to him. Bringing it to the jailer, because she can't bring it herself, she brings it to the jailer, and the jailer brings it to him. But he's still not eating. So the woman was upset about that, and she said the food was legitimate, or like what? What is going on? How come you're not eating the food that I'm bringing? So and Misri, he said, the food was legitimate, but it came to me on the dish of a transgressor, meaning referring to the hand of the jailer, and this is the uh, this is like the pinnacle of piety. Okay, so he's saying, I'm still not. Thank you. What you gave me was fine, but it came to me from this guy's hands, and I'm not eating from this guy's hands. These are people of uh, very, very high rank. Okay, so that's number seven. Number eight, and what comes afterwards, are all kind of... Um, uh, maybe I can read the story. Number eight is just the story. Fath al had entered upon Bishr al-Hafi as a visitor. So these are two like huge people in early Muslim history. Feth al and Bishr al-Hafi. Like I, had, I think I mentioned before in other classes and stuff, there are people who are imams in every discipline. There's some people who are imams in multiple disciplines. So like someone could be an imam in the law. Someone can be an imam in theology. Someone can be an imam in hadith. Uh, someone can be an imam in spirituality. Feth al and Bishr al-Hafi are both people who are known for being imams in their spirituality, like what they taught the people of how to live and so on and so forth. So Feth al he entered upon Bishr al-Hafi as a guest. Bishr took out a dirham and gave it to his servant saying, buy with it some good food and some good condiment. His servant said, "So I bought. so I brought some clean bread so I brought some clean bread, but told myself that the emissary of God, وسلم, did not say bless us in it and give us increase of it about anything except milk. You might remember that from the Shema'an. So I bought milk and some good dates, which I presented to him, and he ate and took away what was left over. Bishop asked, do you know why I said buy some good food? And then he said, because good food draws forth sincere thanks. I told him, Buy, if you bring them good food, then they'll be grateful for it and the, the gratitude will be sincere. Do you know why he did not say to me, eat? Like, why did the guest not tell me to eat? Uh, he said, because it is not for the guest to say to the owner of the house, eat. So point is, Bishop is teaching his servant all of these manners. Right? So, do you know why this happened? Do you know why that happened? This is how education actually is in a very practical way, right? Like, it's not, okay, here's the lesson. Da, 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 da. But he's like, here, we're going to live life. Do you know why he did it that way? Do you know why we did this this way? Do you know why I said to you this and not this? There's actual reasons behind these things. It's not just haphazard, right? Like, why did, why did he do that? And he didn't do this. There's, oftentimes there's reasonings behind it. Um, do you know why he did not say to me, eat? Because it is not for the guest to say to the owner of the house, eat. Do you know why he carried off what was left over? And he said, because if one's trust in God is sound, then carrying it off will not do any harm. So, if the you know, there's no problem in taking the food. As long as the person has trust in Allah, that Allah will take care of them and so on and so forth, they can take the extra food. Okay. And then there's some other stories, Most, many of them are not, uh, you know, they're kind of like wisdom. Wisdom type stuff, hikma type stuff. That's why in Islamic medicine doctors are often called hakeem, right? Because they give you hikmah, they give you some wisdom, they give you wisdom on how to live, how to deal with your body, so on and so forth. Some of them are related to Imam Shafi. Imam Shafi was known to be a person of tremendous knowledge in the religion and also in medicine. And he used to say, and ilm he used to say, Knowledge is two types knowledge of religion, and knowledge of the bodies. Knowledge of the bodies. So I used to take both of those. A'ada wa sallallahu wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala anihi wa sallam. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. That uh, brings us to the end of this text. And alhamdulillah that Allah gave us the ability to finish it. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli ana sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli ana sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ahli sayyidina Muhammad. Allahumma salli ana sayyidina Muhammad. and fatiha lima ughleka al-Khatim lima sabak nasir al-Haqq bil-Haqq. Wal-Hadi ila siratika al-Mustakim wa ala alihi haqqa qadrihi wa miqdarihi al-Azim. Assalatu wa salamu alaika sayyidi ya Rasulullah. Allahumma wafiqna lima tuhibbu wa tarzal. Waj'alna min abidika al-Su'ada wa akhtimlana khatma shuhada. Wa amitna ala kalimatul hudah. Allah, we ask you for knowledge that benefits us and for the ability to act upon it. We ask you, Allah, to accept from us our efforts in reading this text and to make it a source of good for us in our lives and in the lives of our loved ones. We ask you, Allah, to help us to rectify our relationship with food. We ask you, Allah, to make us uh, very hospitable in the way that we do with others. We ask you, Allah, to make this course a means of our benefit and not a proof against us. Allah, we ask you to give us good in this and the world and the next to protect us from all evil. We ask you, Allah, for healing for those who are sick and for mercy on those who have passed away. Allahumma ameen. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If you have any questions or comments or anything. Uh, please feel free to